The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. A question for you this morning. Does the resurrection of Jesus make a difference in your life? Last week we had some wonderful worship services. On Good Friday we came and meditated on the suffering of Jesus for our sins to give us eternal forgiveness. And then on Easter we gather for that glorious and joyous worship that our Savior lives. And because he lives, we will live eternally too. Did that make a difference in your week? Does that make a difference throughout your life? Last week our message came from the book of 1 Peter, in which he tells us, because of Christ's resurrection, you and I have a living hope for eternal life. Well, he continues on in that letter to describe how that hope comes alive in our life. And that's what we want to look at today. The difference the resurrection makes in our everyday life. So let's continue on now by looking at the second chapter of 1 Peter. It starts with a very important word, therefore. And if you've been in any of my Bible classes, you know I always get you to ask the question, what is it there for? Why is it there? The word therefore is always pointing us back to what was previously said. And that's what I had just said. That because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, you and I have a living hope. But he went on to show that that hope was planted in us through the preaching of God's word. And that already begins to make a difference. In that chapter, there's a string of therefores, and they're all connected. Right before our text that we're going to look at in a moment, Peter said this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. What he's telling us is the resurrection does make a difference, and pay attention to what it does. Now he gives us the details. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We're going to see from this and the following verses, there are three main things that bring differences in our lives. And the first one is this. The resurrection of Jesus encourages me to grow in my faith. Let's call it a spiritual difference. The fact that we celebrated the resurrection on Sunday last week probably did not change anything during your work week. You still had work. Maybe the kids had off of school. You still had to deal with all sorts of other things. But it can make a difference in your life spiritually. And he pointed out two areas where that change or difference comes. First, in our walk. That is how we live our life. Putting it briefly, he said, we're going to step away from sin and we're going to keep in step with the Spirit who guides us in God's will. Now, maybe there was something a little different about your week this past week because of Easter. Maybe you had a bunch of candy around in the house. 
If you have kids, you definitely have candy there. And maybe you found yourself snacking quite a bit. I know that right around the corner of this door, there's a basket with some candy. So every time I go through that door, the candy's right there and have to hold back. Well, we know that just a diet full of candy isn't so good, right? All that junk food wouldn't be good for us. Peter said, just as we go along in life, though, there's a lot of spiritual junk that gets in our life, too. And he said we have to get rid of it. He referred to malice, which is having an attitude of wanting bad to happen to somebody else. He talked about deceit, that is, wanting something badly enough that you're willing to lie about it or trick somebody over it. He said get rid of hypocrisy, you know, saying and showing one thing, but in reality that's not true. Like you may tell somebody, oh, I'm really sorry that that happened to you, but in actuality you probably care less. That's hypocrisy. He said get rid of envy, the jealousy over somebody else's position or possessions. Or, or maybe it's not being satisfied with your own status in life and maybe even complaining about it, even complaining to God about it. And he said, get rid of slander, running people down with your words. All of that spiritual junk gets in our life, just like we were probably nibbling on candy during the week. It just becomes a part of us. Well, he says, get rid of it. Step away from it and keep in step with the Spirit. How does that happen? Through the Spirit. Now the good news is that in God's view we have already stepped away from it. That is, God has taken those things off our record. Because of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, our record of sin has been wiped clean. And it's been replaced with the perfect obedience of Jesus through the faith that we have in him. So God sees us already as clean and perfect. And the resurrection announces that to us. The resurrection tells us the sacrifice for sins is complete. And as Jesus lives, so too will we live. But how do we get rid of that stuff, that junk that gets in our life daily? Peter tells us we need to crave that word of God, because it's the word of God that nourishes and, and feeds our faith in the certainty of our salvation. He used the illustration of craving it like a baby would crave pure milk. So it is, we need to crave the word of God. As he said, because you've tasted that the Lord is good. In the word of God, that's where we hear of God's love for us. That's where we hear of God's forgiveness. That's where we know the certainty of salvation, eternal life, and our own resurrection. So crave that nurturing from God's word. So let me ask you a question. Do you crave the word? Think of things that maybe you crave in your life. You know, food, like that candy around the corner over there. Or some activity that you really enjoy doing, and it, you know what it's like to have a craving. It really pushes you or, or pulls on you, and it, and it doesn't go away until it's satisfied. Do you have that kind of craving for God's word? 
People today are, are looking for spiritual satisfaction. We see it in the rise of people joining other religions like Islam or other Eastern religions where they're looking inside of themselves to find peace. People are looking for satisfaction within themselves too, and we call it humanism, where they say, you know what, we're, we're good, and, and, and we can take care of things, and we can make this world a, a better place. We can do it. That's humanism. Or people are satisfying their, their desires through material things. People are looking for satisfaction. God tells us you're only going to find that perfect satisfaction in his word. What is your craving like for the word? Do you hear it and read it often? Do you read the scriptures on your own? Do you use any of the meditation booklets or some of those email devotions that I've referred to? Do you attend church regularly where we feed you with the word? Do you attend our Bible classes? We have a whole list of them there in the bulletin for you to attend. Come to any of them. And don't feel threatened. You're not given homework. You're not given a test. You don't have to read out loud. You don't even have to talk if you don't want to. Just come and absorb that word of God. And here's why. Because through that word, we hear the declaration of God. That because Jesus has been raised, we know we are forgiven. We are justified in his sight. That is, declared innocent. And we are his forever. That's the spiritual difference the resurrection of Jesus Christ can make in our lives. Now, let me ask you another question. Have you ever been told or asked to do this? You know, tell something, tell me something about yourself. And, and then you think, well, what should I say? And then, then you tell them, you know, maybe if you're married or not, what your job is or what your hobbies are, what, whatever it might be you know what to tell them. Would you tell somebody, if they asked you to do that, would you say to them, well, I'm a stone? They'd probably look at you kind of strange, right? A stone. But that's what Peter goes on to tell us we are. Living stones. He himself bore that name. Peter, it means rock. That was a name Jesus gave to him, changing his identity. And now he tells us we too are rocks. Listen to what he says. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says... See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, better translated, the capstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. He's telling us we're stones, living stones because of our connection to Jesus Christ. Together, he has put us for a purpose. 
and that reflects two differences the resurrection makes in our life. First of all, the resurrection tells us that we are equipped to gather together with fellow believers for a purpose, to worship the Lord. He says, you are being built together as a holy priesthood, a spiritual house. He meant a temple, a place of people that worship the Lord. I, I call that the Sunday difference, and I'll explain why in a second. But it's interesting to note why there is that difference. We are living stones because of our connection to the living stone, Jesus Christ. And he used three different stones to describe Jesus. First, he called him the cornerstone. Cornerstone, of course, that important rock in a building that sets the direction. That stone is so important it has to be shaped perfectly. And all the other stones must line up with it. So Jesus Christ is our cornerstone for our salvation, for our faith. We want to make sure that everything we believe lines up perfectly with what he is, who he is, what he has done, and what he teaches. Now, Peter also called him a capstone. Capstone is that middle stone in an arch. It's there for support. If you remove that capstone, the arch collapses. In fact, the resurrection is the capstone of our faith. Remove the resurrection of Jesus, and a Christian faith is nothing. The resurrection makes a difference. It's there to give us support for our salvation. But Peter also went on to call Jesus a, a stumbling stone. By that, he meant that there are those who will reject him, who don't believe he is God, who don't believe he is the Savior, who don't believe anything about his resurrection, and they will stumble, they will fall out of faith into eternal damnation. It's interesting that in the book of Daniel, a vision that was given to him of a huge statue that represented the kingdoms of the world, there was a large rock that came and crushed all those kingdoms. That rock is Jesus Christ, and we are part of his enduring kingdom. Now, we are living stones. And he said that means we are a priesthood. We are being built together to worship God. To offer sacrifices that he says are the sacrifices of a broken and contrite heart. That is repentance. The sacrifices of praise from our lips. The sacrifice of our lives, of our bodies. From that then, Peter goes on to tell us, we have been put together to work for the Lord. We call that the service difference. The resurrection of Jesus makes a difference in our lives because we recognize now that he has put us together to serve him, to work for him. Now he called us stones and not bricks. Bricks, you know, if you went to Home Depot, they all look the same, right? They've all been cut and shaped to be perfectly the same and do the same thing. But Peter calls us stones. Stones are all of different shapes. So God has shaped each one of us differently with our talents, with our abilities, and with the time he gives us. He puts us all together then to make this temple, this congregation, that we may serve him. Do you see 
the resurrection making a difference in your life on Sunday and in your service to the Lord. Let me ask you this question. What do people see in you? They may ask you to tell them something about you, but what do they see in you? Do, these, do they see a Sunday difference? Do they see how the weekends are different for you? That worship is a priority? Do you recognize the, the important role you have as a stone in God's house? Do you see the privilege you have of worshiping him and of serving him? Peter's words remind us the resurrection of Jesus, a proven fact, does make a difference in our lives. A Sunday difference and a service difference. You know, the first Christians started meeting on Sunday instead of Saturday for their worship. Why? Because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose. It makes a difference. Now Peter goes on and tells us one more difference it makes in our life. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's telling us the resurrection of Jesus makes a difference in that it enlivens us to glow to the glory of the Father. We've been called into his wonderful light. We can call it a sanctified difference. The word sanctified means you're set apart. You're set apart from the world. You're set apart for God. And he said that makes a difference in who you are, your character. Did you hear how Peter said God views you as a chosen people? Holy nation, a royal priesthood, a special possession of God. You just reflect on those things and you see how God's grace in your life has made a difference, a difference in how he has chosen you. Now you might wonder, how could God call me all of those things, holy and royal and a special treasure, when we look at our life and we see our sin. The Apostle Paul told us that after he gave a whole list of sins and said that's what we were like, he went on to say, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You've been justified by Jesus Christ and by his spirit. In other words, what Jesus has done. The resurrection of Jesus makes a difference in who we are. And that's going to be seen in our conduct. Peter says then, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
that new character that we have from the resurrection will move us to live with a new life, to live a different way in our conduct, that we live for the glory of God. Now, people may disagree with what we believe, but don't let them disagree with how you live. Let it be evident you're different because of Jesus. The resurrection doesn't make a difference in your life. Peter says it does. A spiritual difference, a Sunday difference, a service difference, a sanctified, set-apart difference. Now, don't just hear it. Live it. Amen.